Welcome to Epicenter, the show which talks about the technologies, projects, and startups driving decentralization and the global blockchain revolution. My name is Sebastian Couture. And my name is Ben Fabian Crane. I'm Heroi. And today is uh, a momentous occasion. Yes. And 200 episodes ago, we did an episode together. Yeah, in yeah. Johan Barbie's apartment. Yes. And that was the last time that we did an episode in the same room. Yeah. So that was 200 weeks ago. 200 weeks ago, yes. And now we got Mayor, and we're all sitting here in the same room for the first time. In fact, this was the first time that we're all together in the same place. And it just so happens that we're all here in Mexico, um, which is also amazing, because we're at DEFCON. And uh, we're now in Playa del Carmen. Uh, we've been for the last few days for the Cosmos retreat. And so today we're going to talk about a couple of things. So we'll, we'll obviously talk about DEF CON. Uh, we're all at DEF CON uh, November 1st to 4th. And we have been in Playa del Carmen for the last few days for this Cosmos retreat, which was amazing. And so we could talk about that and hopefully a few other things. Yeah, no, it's a interesting, weird setup. Doesn't feel familiar at all. Even like not wearing headphones confuses me, disturbs me. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah. The, the 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 process to get this going was actually, you know, people often think that like it's easy to do a podcast. Everybody in the same room, and I'm sure it is if you have the setup for that. But you know, our setup is not made for that. So it's any anytime we have to do something slightly different, like even have two people on the same camera, uh, it, it's it, it gets me it gets me uncomfortable and anxious. So hopefully this will work. <laughs> I hope this will work. Yeah. All right. Um, well, let's uh, let's yeah. get started to talk yeah. about DefCon. Uh, yeah. So first of all, this is DefCon number three. Mm. Uh, I I was kind of at DefCon zero, which was like in Berlin three years ago, I guess. <clears throat> When it was like 50 people, but you know, sort of, I was working, kind of helping Ethereum a bit then, sort of in the office, but... Yeah, Brian, Brian, Brian was in the, on the ground floor. Yeah, you were at one and two, which neither of us were at, right, in London yeah. and Shanghai. Yeah. Three, now we're all together. And this is my first step yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get started. I mean, what's, maybe Meher, if you, what is, what are, is your impression overall of, of this year's event? Much bigger, first of all. I, like, I think so. The London DevCon was maybe like 400 people in one hall. Shanghai was bigger 700, 700, yeah. and this was 2000. And even for those 2000 people, the tickets sold out in a, in a week or so. So it's, a, it's become a massive event. Lots of energy, I think. The, uh, the bubble market and has brought like <coughs> super amounts of energy into the space. Yeah, lots of maturity as well. What about you? I would I would echo those points. I mean, so it's my first DevCon, so I don't have anything really to compare against. Uh, but I thought that I, I was just impressed by the, the, the how massive it was. Uh, it was at this convention center in Cancun. Um, I, I mean. Uh, it was the biggest conference I'd ever been to, period. Uh, I've been to other types of conferences and, and sort of trade shows, and this is by far the biggest conference I've been at for such a nascent industry. I thought that was interesting. I thought that the, the technical level and the quality of the talks was really good. And there, there, was, there seemed to be something for everyone. You know, there were some highly technical talks, and we'll get into that, and we, there were some Highly technical talks about zero knowledge proofs and some of the pro progress that's going on there, and but there was also um, a lot of uh, talks about projects and talks about Uport, for instance, that are more on the user experience side, and then somewhere in the middle, you know, a lot of development framework uh, stuff. Um, and I was I was super excited about that, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, generally, I thought that uh, good energy, um, a lot of cool people. It was great to just meet everyone and like just chill and hang out and that, that's that's one 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 part of this that I really like is just to meet people. Yeah, I think the organizers organizers did a did a great job this year in getting a diversity of speakers. So I, I remember like in, in the previous two DevCons, um, 
I had a sense of disappointment that like there wasn't enough talk about apps or like um, social impact and things like that. But this time, there was everything. It's pretty much everything for everyone. Yeah. So for me, I agree. I think it's just the energy and it's great. This not just this conference. I mean, I remember previous conferences that I've been to that just had this amazing energy. I remember the very first conference where where we went to together in like Berlin, two thousand early two thousand fourteen. You had back then, you know, Bitcoin conference had the same kind of energy. I, the very first conference I was at, I think in Amsterdam. October two thousand thirteen in Amsterdam. Amazing energy back then. So much enthusiasm, and and it's a similar thing here, you know, on a on a bigger scale. Right, this so was like Bitcoin 2014 Amsterdam type scale energy. Yeah, well, so, I, I don't think it's quite the same. Uh, back then, you know, in Bitcoin, you really had this blind optimism. It's like, okay, this is going to take over the world. <laughs> no, really, like we're on the cost of something huge. I don't think the Ethereum community is quite like that. Yeah. You know, there, there's been enough setbacks right now with, with hacks and, and it's, you know, very clear what the massive problems Ethereum has, you know, yeah. for example, with scalability and, and, and there's lots of competition, right? That's coming and other projects that are competing, even, even at this, at the DEFCON, right? There were lots of uh, other projects present that, that are, so I don't think there's quite the same sort of complete utter conviction that this is going to take <laughs> no, over the world. What I mean, yeah, of course there's the blind optimism, but like if there was, but um, on the same sort of scale, you know, if, if you look at this from the outside, you know, the, we're, we're talking about something that is at similar scale you know, as what Bitcoin was at in yeah. 2014. Yeah, perhaps even That may be that may be true. That's uh, it's a good point. Um, uh, yeah, I no, think it's bigger today than Bitcoin was yeah. at the beginning of 2014 for sure. So yeah, I thought it was. Uh, you know, I, I honestly didn't see too many talks. Uh, partially, it was also because with co you know Cosmos, we were a lot of people here, and uh, there was a booth, kind of Cosmos booth. So it's, it had just tons of conversations with all kinds of people. Of course, that's you know wonderful because there's so many interesting people, so many interesting projects, uh, and and including you know meeting some people that maybe I knew online or was in some kind of email contact with, or or people listening to the podcast. That was great. Lots I mean, of those. <laughs> it, it was so humbling to just, just like, you would just be walking by and someone would come, come by to you and say, hey, I love your show, and that's all I want to say, and then you know, they would just... Yeah, there's lots, of, lots of that. Lots of that, yeah. Even at one point, we were just sitting there, we were just having a chat, and then some guy goes and takes a picture of <laughs> what's this guy doing? But yeah, I mean, uh, I've definitely seen throughout the years, right, like, Every every event, you sort of see more and more people liking the show, and that's been yeah. really uh, really encouraging. So thanks thanks for doing that um, for those who. So Mayor, I think from the three of us, you were the one who most focused on like the talks, the contents, actual projects. So what, what were the things that you found most captivating? Yeah, um, I did go to many of the talks. I think except for one afternoon when I skyped off, I spent uh, most of the time going to the talks. I, I found a lot of great projects, actually. There are things that I found that are conceptually interesting. Uh, there are things that I found that are going to be in like production soon and they could be, they could be game changers. And then there were also projects that gave me a hint of what are the kind of business model challenges we are going to run into soon. So I'll kind of try to cover all all these categories in, in kind of brief so projects that I found super intriguing uh, Enigma Catalyst I must say so Enigma had its ICO I think in July I, I didn't appreciate that project much but this time around I, I realized like what a grand vision Enigma is what, what it effectively allows is a new kind of totally new kind of data exchange where like different people can upload data to a network. This data is encrypted, so your privacy is protected. And then when somebody else wants to run a computation on a collective data, mm -hmm. they can still run the computation even though the data is encrypted. So for example, this thing I could imagine is, um, imagine all of us upload our browser histories to the Enigma network encrypted. 
so we don't leak our privacy but then companies are able to run analytics queries on that combined data set without knowing the actual data and they can reserve yeah. that that sale let's say how many people are visiting coin market cap on a particular day so it's a it's a network that allows that kind of data exchange and computation yeah or, or let's say i don't know if you have a whole bunch of farmers could upload their data about crops and yields and stuff and then somehow collectively analyze that get the insights about losing their particular yeah giving up their particular data and privacy yeah and it's super relevant too i mean in in the current context of things i think that's that type of thing is super relevant as people are more concerned about their data privacy the gdpr the general data protection regulation in, yeah. in europe yeah. yeah that sounds cool yeah then another another kind of like wacky project that i wasn't expecting to see at all was this project from uh, uc berkeley they are completely like remaking the electric grid they're solving an optimization problem so for example if you have the electric grid um, where different people are producing power at different points in time because like solar is unpredictable different people want to are producing energy at and they peak at different times and then there are consumers that want access to electricity at different levels at different times then you know there's this sort of optimization problem like where do you take energy from at what rate and supply to where and like this uc berkeley project is each individual home can like forecast their demand and put their like demand forecasts encrypted and then the and the whole network sort of optimizes the flow of electricity in an electrical grid and that whole computation is done uh, via a blockchain i found that like mind boggling like so their claim is that they have figured out a way by which you could have like optimal energy exchanges without knowing individually what home uh, is consuming at at any point in time so like that kind of project to me like seemed completely out of the blue something i wasn't expecting truebit looked amazing again um, so we have interviewed truebit on the show and uh, so truebit is this idea that we can build on top of ethereum a sort of global cloud where ethereum smart contracts can outsource their computation and this uh, people in this cloud can like co- do the computation and then furnish results to the ethereum blockchain but by using some kind of game theory we are we are given like very strong guarantees that the computational results will be correct so jason toich from truebit had this word for uh, for this idea of computation trustless computation as a cloud uh, he called it the pan optic computer right so you know the pan optic right this is this device that ensures good behavior among prisoners because there's a guard tower in the middle which may or may not have a guard actually but any of these prisoners don't know whether the guard is there or not so because the prisoners don't know whether the guard is there or not they put on their best behavior because it just might be there truebit is like that it's like a global computational cloud where people are computing like results of programs and submitting them to the blockchain and they are at their best behavior because somebody just might be checking their work and if they don't Do the result, give the results correctly. They might be slashed. So What's interesting about that is also we saw the talk together and uh, how how that project seems to have matured since we we, uh, we interviewed them, and just how how good Jason has gotten at explaining it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jason has gotten really good, and the surprising thing is, um, I think in Q one of two thousand eighteen, they're going to demonstrate. how the truebit panopti computer can be used to move doge coin from the doge blockchain onto the ethereum blockchain so this will be a proof of concept um, that at least we can we can see and maybe even use that seems to be making a, a, a lot of progress and the fourth interesting uh, part of the ecosystem i saw is decentralized exchanges that does seem to be one of the like upcoming areas Right. So smart contracts it two years ago, 
maybe the one of these things that's going to hit uh, this year and the next is going to be decentralized exchanges mm-hmm. in, in some form so both 0x and ether delta have talks there i think 0x by far looks the most well functioning project there and then like some releases that i'm looking forward to uh, that were announced here is uh, maker dao the project is going to release uh, the dai stable coin so we'll have a stable coin working on ethereum in december of this year so we've we followed we've interviewed the maker project and i've kind of followed their progress over like 3 years now it's been a long time coming system that's getting released is not the one that was promised in the white paper there are certain like certain aspects that are that were removed in order to simplify the system and i'm not sure i like all the things they have removed but we will have a stable coin system on the ethereum blockchain i think i think that's a that's a big deal that is a big deal yeah it feels like uh i mean one of the things that i thought was really telling at this conference was how you can see sort of parts of the stack um start to coalesce um you know when 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 it, when the very first version of ethereum came out and the very first client it was a sort of command line tool and now we're seeing more and more of these higher level of abstraction development frameworks so on the development side there's been some a structuring of the stack and making it easier for developers to to build applications but also in all of the services and um and tools that are now close to being available for app developers so uport is one for identity you know like a stable coin is another is another part of that stack so we're seeing like a uh, the entire stack just become more mature and so it makes it easier for dapp developers to build dapps and just great for the ecosystem in general yeah what about you brian what are <clears throat> the interesting things you came across in conversations yeah i mean i, I thought it was interesting to like flats casper talk which um, did you guys understand that talk <laughs> well uh, <laughs> no i, I mean the, the talk was uh, very hard to understand he he mostly went through this mathematical proof uh and you know that was maybe not the best choice for how to explain uh casper to this audience but i do feel i have sort of started wrapping my head around a little bit casper and and, and casper as a contrast tendermint right where i think you know casper is really trying in some ways to to almost build something like proof of work as proof of stake mm. and, and I, i think that's very interesting uh, obviously this you know there's big trade offs right there's some what they're trying to build is much more complex you know there has other downsides the blocks aren't finality only come is is harder to get and and in all kinds of things but it's it's still very interesting i think it's conceptually like a uh an a nice direction so i i don't feel like understand Casper that well you know I, I haven't uh, I remember we had that on once and and I remember I didn't really understand it well then and but I I feel like I starting at least wrap my head a little bit around some of the ideas in there and I think you're very interesting actually one thing that stands out to me I I you know talk with the Infinity guys as well um and I stayed last year in December at their house for a few days in uh-huh. Palo Alto and you know before I before I joined Cosmos there was like a few projects that I felt like oh, they were very, very interesting Infinity was one of them and and yeah and those guys seem to be making great progress and they have like testnet running and it's really really cool and they have a white paper on the way as well there's a white paper much better white paper on the way yeah, yeah. there's a white paper coming <laughs> and testnet and it looks like they're going to Or they want to launch something, you know, in first half of next year, uh, and so that's exciting too. Yeah, also one project that I thought was very interesting to see. They didn't give a talk. There was no stand, but I talked with uh, I talked with the founders here. Was Definity. So I when I left or before I joined Cosmos, there was a few projects that I found, thought were like you know promising and interesting and seemed to have like competent people. Uh, you know, Cosmos was one of them, obviously, but Definity was also one of them. So last December I stayed at their house in in Palo Alto for a few days hung out with them and just kind of got to learn a little bit about it not that much 
but uh, you know, no. Of course, we had Tom being on yeah. the podcast many years ago when he was with his previous project, and uh, and yeah. So those guys have live test net running now. They have scaled the team pretty well. They've been hiring. It seems like really good people, uh, and then you know the test net is just kind of awesome, right? So so basically the way it works is they have this like you know five hundred kind of validators, and then uh, you know two hundred kind of signing each block uh, with these threshold signatures, and this kind of randomization process chooses the next set of validator every block, and you know you have this like lighting up with every and they have like a second block time on this or something so you see like every second and another 200 dots lighting up but it's just 500 cloud this is really cool i think it's a really interesting approach to um consensus and i think that's in general also something that i'm just very interested in and excited about is that these new approaches to to consensus and how to run blockchains that we're seeing now and they're all, you know, getting kind of close, right? So we have, you know, Tenement Cosmos, obviously, which is supposed, you know, scheduled to launch uh, at the beginning of next year. Um, Definity will be also, I think, the first half of next year, maybe slightly after, but, you know, also coming pretty soon. And Casper, uh, well, I guess Flats Casper maybe is much further out, but at least some kind of Casper version is also... Also going to come, yeah. uh, and it seems like at least Vlad is also uh, very confident, at least that uh, he's on the right path, and that it, what they're doing is possible, and that it, it will come, even if maybe I don't know another year or two years, or I don't know exactly know when. Um, so it seems like a broadening of the consensus, yes. uh, yeah. algorithm, consensus model space yeah, I mean, in, in blockchain. Um, yeah. what, what do you guys think that signals uh, for the ecosystem as a whole? Well, I, I think we have, of course, known for many years that proof of work just has these massive issues. It doesn't scale. Mm. It's like a extremely expensive. It's an, an environmental disaster. It has all these problems. And, and, you know, this idea of proof of stake has been around for a long time. And it's coming now, right? It's Final, coming. Finally, it's here. Uh, or, you know, at least just at the doorstep mm. and, and that, that's going to be massive. Right? I think most, yeah. most transactions will move to chains like that. And not just proof of stake, right? And you have a lot of and different variants and different experimentation, different directions. And, and I also, of course, it's going to continue, right? I think we will see lots more uh, things. And, and, you know, if, if you look at, I, I don't understand Definity and Casper so well, but if you look at Casper, Tenement and Definity, it, they all are quite very different, right? Mm-hmm. And very different trade-offs, very different um, benefits and downsides. So I'm super excited to see how this turns out. Yeah, it's good that there's all of these variations because absolutely it makes us more resilient. Maybe if, yeah. if one doesn't work, but the other might end up working, and then everybody copies the one that works. I so my my day to day doesn't involve a lot of. Um, Ethereum, um, you know, public network uh, type stuff. I mean, so you know, at Stratum, we're mostly doing consortium chains, and so we're sort of not detached, but you know, we're sort of distant from this community. We 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 operate at the at the periphery, uh, and uh, this was the first time. Well, I guess no. I mean, EdCon, uh, I kind of had this this uh, similar feeling. But what when I when I came out of this, these conferences. I'm just like super inspired to like write smart contract code. And as a you know, previously web developer, uh, I, I was really inspired by everything that's happened in, in the sort of development framework space. And I, like I mentioned earlier, like the stacks sort of coming together and coalescing. Um, I was really interested in seeing a lot of those talks. And so I saw talks like, for instance, DAP tools that are coming out with like really simple uh, and easy to use command line tools like query your smart contract. Um, send um, queries to smart contract they've, they've got different queries there and so there's this other project called the name will come to me but essentially it's like a framework that you can just like launch your own local environment uh, to develop your your blockchain so you've got like it launches an ethereum blockchain it launches a your um, your block explorer and all mm. the tools so that you can d- develop locally mm. and I, I think that this is where like this is where 
we'll see a lot of projects come out of. Because like in, in web development, you know, when NPM and like Node started coming into the scene, like previously with like Ruby on Rails, that's when we saw like web development becoming sort of a massive thing, like full stack developers and everything coming into the space. And, and there's a lot of way to go still. We're still pretty early stage, but I think that this is one of the areas where we'll see a, see a lot of developers coming yeah. in, like people from the web development space that don't necessarily understand um, every you know low level of abstraction of smart contracts and uh, public blockchain stuff, but uh, or Ethereum generally, but that understand the technology well enough so that they can build applications and just having those tools available and having like you port for identity for instance or uh, um, having the stable coin uh, is uh, is really encouraging to see and I, I'm, I'm a bit super passionate about this and like I I, I want to like just spend too much doing smart contracts now like just learning how to do it and doing some some interesting stuff so perhaps moving on to the next topic that so, like ICOs one one short topic I'd like to cover is um, I actually felt while the technology is coming along really well, the business models around smart contracts are still are are in their infancy. Yeah. Um, I think so. I kind of saw like many many different examples where I just felt like the the, the project is amazing. But the business model is not. So, like an example is like Melonport. So, Melonport is this portfolio management uh, uh, tool where it allows managers to create their own portfolios and then people to subscribe to those portfolios and have their assets invested as per those portfolios. So, Melonport is doing really well on the development side. They are one year ahead of schedule. And their uh, their app is going to be running live on mainnet in I think February or so of next year. They're one year ahead of schedule, so that's that's like unheard of, <laughs> unheard of in the ICO yeah. space. But on the other side, Melonport has a token, the Melon token, and the Melon token doesn't have much of a linkage to their system at all. Like it is. It is, as of today, as I understand it, it's like a very speculative token, right? Mm. Like the linkage between what software they've built and the token is unclear. And the hard part is how do you monetize software, software tool that is kind of open and a smart contract can be infinitely copied. So for many of these projects, I felt that the smart contracts that they are building, they're, they're going to be commodities. They're going to be open source commodities. Uh, and if these things are going to be open source commodities, then how does the project monetize it? Another project that has very similar problems, like not, I won't call it a problem, it's an, maybe it's also an opportunity, is Akasha. So I don't, I don't know if you've kind of tried Akasha. I, I encourage you to go and try it. They gave a really nice talk. So Akasha is this project that that builds like a proper social network where people can publish content and other people and other people can like the content, comment on that those pieces, and then people can also follow each other on the Akasha network. But all of this data, like the content, lies on IPFS. The likes lie on 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 on, on Ethereum, uh, and the social network of who follows whom also lies on the public blockchain. And Akasha, so Akasha doesn't hold any of the data, right? So all of these, all of all of these data items are on either blockchains or IPFS. And then the other revolutionary thing about Akasha is that Mihai, the founder of Akasha, doesn't want to collect any data about what users are doing on Akasha. So as a user to Akasha, you directly connect to this uh, Ethereum blockchain and IPFS and you get to see all of the set of messages. You, there is no central Akasha server and the Akasha app you use does not broadcast any data back to Akasha headquarters on what the user is saying. So here you have a social network which does not have any proprietary data, right? All of the comments and social network is open. It doesn't have any analytics data on what the user is doing. 
and so the question becomes how do you monetize something like that so uh, again for example in akasha's talk they i saw that like akasha is trying to create a token called akasha eth and i think they will ico that token you could see that the token model or the monetization strategy behind that token model is like so underdeveloped so those are two examples but i think a lot of projects a lot of projects are are suffering from similar problems this is this is not i don't want to point out these two projects this is generally a pattern like everything else is like this it sort of raises the question in my mind what does a good smart contract business opportunity look like yeah because i'm not too sure that making smart contracts auditing them and publishing them open will make for good business models but yeah i have some thoughts on that i mean i think first of all what's absolutely essential for something to be a, a viable business model in a in a sort of open decentralized smart contract world right where basically the operation of the thing is open right can be copied is network effects right it's the only way that you can you can win in this and, and build a viable business is if if you know uh, the more people use it the more useful it becomes and because if you have that dynamic one if you're first mover and, and if you want to have certain momentum it's almost impossible to displace now i think bitcoin being the best example here right which has gained such a tremendous position and even though everybody can see how it works and it's easy to take it and and maybe build something much better than bitcoin technically but because it has such a you know enormous network effects it's you know it's a business it's i mean not literally a business but it's you know a very great profitable thing and um you know for example with ethereum or how strong are the network effects uh, certainly not as strong as in bitcoin and and you know one can wonder how that's going to turn out and and then yeah i think with a lot of these smart contract applications that's uh it, that's really the key question And, and I think the other thing that ties into our ICO discussion here, the other big problem that I'm seeing is that doing ICOs is, is so attractive. Right? You can make, you can raise a lot of money with you know little, comparatively little um, development, little you know in very early stage you, you give up little control, um, and and one builds kind of a community. in the beginning right all of these things are extremely attractive so it's tempting to do an ICO right i mean who who doesn't want to do an ICO but <laughs> yeah but but the, the the one big problem here is well i think there's multiple big problems right one it can be the problem that simply the token doesn't really fit doesn't really make sense right yeah. and maybe there's a business but it's not about the token maybe there isn't a business at all and it's going to be something that's commoditized So I think that's one big issue, and the other big issue is I think once you do an ICO, now you have this token. Now you need to really design the whole thing around that token to make that token valuable, and, and, and it starts becoming more about the token than about creating something that's a good user experience that people really want. And I think that's extremely dangerous because if you get locked in in a certain path, and now you have to kind of run after that and. and it can take away a huge amount of flexibility when really you should be experimenting and seeing and testing what what actually works. So I think that's a, those are huge issues. Of course, we haven't really seen that play out yet because not enough time has passed. Uh, all these ICOs and all these projects are still in this kind of phase where yeah, it's like honeymoon phase and then before it really they have to prove themselves, but I think that's going to be a huge issue down the line. And of course, talking about ICOs, we we are now also seeing a first a massive issue, some massive issues coming up. You know, with Tezos having a, a, a very big crisis and and some kind of standstill between the board and the Brightmans, you know, the company. Um, and then I'm sure that's not the last because conflicts of interest uh, will be huge issues. Actually. Uh I won't mention the projects, but during DevCon, um, I was approached by and ended up participating in discussions with 
two ICO teams who proposed the concept, did an ICO, raised the money, built an alpha, did some early tests in the while, and have come to the realization that you know the concept itself isn't that sound. And uh, these projects are like shopping around for for tweaks on their concept to change and go down a path. Mm. I I don't think it's 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 pretty uncommon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I think I think a lot of projects are behind behind doors uh, suffering from similar. It's not uncommon for regular startups and you know that raise funds through VCs to go through this type of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So why, why would it be any different for? Yeah, but there's a, there's a huge difference, right? Is that you have a, a disconnection between the company and the token, right? So for, it's easy for a company to say, okay, we're gonna pivot, do something else, because the investors say, okay, we own twenty percent of this company, we still own twenty percent of this company. If if they think that's a better business, great. But here is a different thing, right? Because okay, I own twenty percent of these tokens, but now they're going to do something else, and all of a sudden the tokens aren't what I thought they would be, or they have no utility anymore. Uh, well, I don't feel so happy about that, right? Yeah, also, <laughs> there's also the accountability to the investors. So if you raise funds yeah. with the VC, you know, like you somewhat feel accountable to that investor to find a new business model, whereas you know, perhaps with an ICO, yeah, um, you might just decide to not do something different. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. So, but just let, let's let's come back to the conference real quick. Uh, we, when we were mentioning earlier that one of the things that was nice about this event is that it wasn't, of course, it's a developer a developer event that doesn't really tend itself to that. So, in the, in the talks and sponsors, um, ICOs were not so present, but we did see them in the periphery as a, like the speakers. Or sorry, not the speakers, but the attendees and uh, people that were, that were at the conference. Everybody was talking about ICOs, uh, and I think everybody who was at the conference either you know, was approached or spoke to people who were doing an ICO or thinking of doing, I, doing an ICO, and amongst those, my feeling was that you know, a few of them you know, ten, seemed to be good ideas and seemed to have a solid team and solid foundations, whereas for the most part, uh, a lot of the projects that, you know, that were floating around uh, were somewhere in between like mediocre and a bad idea. Yeah. And, Amongst those uh, were projects that were throwing parties and they're like throwing massive amounts of money around to, um, well, you know, get some developers drunk, really, basically. But um, and uh, you know, this is some of the this is part of the negative effects, I think, uh, of this well, money, that, right? Of money, and and we attended some parties. The other every night there were um, parties after the event. I, I didn't attend any of them. You didn't attend any of them? Well, okay. Well, we, we, we attended some parties and um, there was sort of this, this sort of like, you know, at some point, I think I said to you, like, this is like an episode of Silicon Valley. Like, there was just some absurd, absurdities with these parties, right? Like, um, like people doing like flame, <laughs> fire breathing and like rolling cigars and, and you know, this is all very nice. But is this really what we need in order to build like the decentralized application future? It, there's like there's a disconnect there between um, having uh, ICO parties or whatever, like throwing money around and um, <laughs> actually doing some meaningful work. And I think the one thing that we need to talk about in this community is how much of that are we willing to accept, and how much of that is is just undesirable. Yeah. Uh, because money, money corrupts, power corrupts, and we don't want to get into a situation where you know, good people are moving to do bad things or bad, moving to bad projects or where just bad people are moving into the space and monopolizing the conversation right? or like, taking advantage of people. I think that, that it's, it's an important conversation to have at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't quite share your perspective here. I think both being at the conference and some of these parties, I, I didn't feel there was so much excess, I felt it was kind of, I mean, you know, obviously we have a situation, right, where there has been a huge amount of wealth created in a very yeah. short time in, in this community, um, and, but I, I didn't, and, and yeah, of course it has effects, right, people maybe stay at nicer hotels and people, you know, that you, one can see that this is no longer a poor 
community. It's become yeah. a wealthy community. But I didn't feel like it was such a... I, I didn't feel here this was so disturbing. Uh, it, it's just... Um, it's the beginning of being It's the beginning of being disturbing. Well, I think that there's a conversation to be had now before it becomes more disturbing. No, I, I think actually, I think where the problem is, is, is actually not so much the existing community and like, I feel like conspicuous display of wealth. I think where the disturbing aspect and problematic aspect is, is all of these other people who see, okay, a lot of money to be made here. Let me go in and like also do, do an ICO and do, because that's where all the crap comes, right? I mean, I have so many people, you know, who have just, you know, it's okay. It's this business opportunity. Let's do this stupid ICO that makes no sense. And, and, you know, then run lots of Google ads and Facebook. And mm -hmm. I mean, we get a lot of emails like from many, some random projects that, you know, want to be on Epicenter or pay us to be on Epicenter and all kinds of stuff like that. And, and I think that's where that is but, appalling, right? Yeah. Uh, but here at DEFCON, I, I didn't really sh share the same um, I, I, I don't mean, mean to say that it, it, it was massively excessive and massively present, but there is a sort of so, so see the beginning of that. And I think that for a project, so I want to just make a clear distinction. So for, for example, like, so we're, we'll talk about this. Like, I mean, we can talk about it now. So Cosmos uh, planned a retreat after DEF CON and Cosmos, Cosmos paid for their employees and for external people to come in and like spend a, a few days with them and uh, work together, collaborate, you know, have, bring the community together. And I think that this, is resources and time well spent. Take that same money and put it towards a party um, at the Coco Bongo, you know, yeah. in Cancun. It's 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 utterly worthless. Well, right. So uh, I would rather see projects investing in things that are worthwhile and that have bring value and that build community than uh, you know on like flamethrowers. Uh, sure, well if, if people want to see some really amazing video they should check for like Karma, I, Karma, Karma Coin, ICO yeah. launch or something like that. Uh, I saw Preston and uh, President Byrne retweeted this recently and I saw the video. It's They did some sort of ICO launch party in LA and they have like all these models oh, and like Lamborghini or some sort of fancy car with like karma coin on it and champagne and red card is completely absurd. So if, if you want to see something like that excess uh, in a crazy way. I think that's way, probably like a level of excess that you know, yeah. we didn't see here. We didn't see here. But uh, I personally don't want to see that in the space. Like I, right. I, I, I want people to talk about it. Yeah, so well, let's let's speak a bit about the Cosmos retreat. Um, yeah. Well, what do you, yeah, so some context, I mean, uh, you know, when I joined Cosmos in January or Tandem in Cosmos, we were like five people. So it's grown a lot since then. Now it's around 30-ish people working on it and uh, approaching launch. So it's getting kind of close. Still, still a bunch of stuff to do. But uh, a lot of us came to DEF CON and almost everybody came to to this company to get together after DEF CON and including some people uh, externals that uh, are you know associated with the project, they're kind of working on Tendermint and or being involved in Cosmos. So Mayer and, and Sebastian both joined. Uh, yeah, we're still going on actually. So yeah, thanks so much for you guys for coming. Thanks for thanks for hosting us. us. <laughs> um, so what, what do you think of the retreat? So my, my kind of background is I worked in the vaccines industry for seven years after university and I did epicenter in in my part-time right so uh, while I've been involved with crypto uh, I came to the cosmos retreat I've I kind of realized I've never understood crypto culture so much at some level so you know like I'm, I'm doing these podcasts I, I go to like I've, I've gone to like three or four conferences and in the conference I, I just see the talks I necessarily don't make a lot of friends, right? Uh, I, I came to the Cosmos retreat and this is like the first times I get to make a lot of friends because we are working together and we are having conversations. And to me what's like stood out is how paranoid the average crypto person is. Like I knew it theoretically, 
I understood it practically at the Cosmos retreat. But that aside, can think, you give some examples? So I won't I won't name the people, but like there are people in the crypto community that they want to, for example. I don't know, build bunkers. <laughs> <laughs> in, in certain Asian countries. In certain Asian countries. And they change laptops every every few weeks. And uh, and they well, want to stock up. It's stock not up on just food. the crypto community. It's like the security-minded community. Security-minded, you know, These yeah. people existed 10 years ago. You know, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Travel with a, like a wiped second-hand laptop so no personal data is on it. Yeah. Like... Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but like as as somebody coming from a very different background, it's it was it was an amazing cultural experience. Uh, it's not culture shock, but it's it's interesting to see uh, how people in the crypto community actually think, right? Beyond the technology, like mm. the, the cultural side of it. So yeah. you, you felt this at, you, at the Cosmos retreat specifically? Yeah, Cosmos yeah. retreat specifically for, okay. for the first time. Yeah. Second thing I realized is um, how, like, the link between like keto diets and meat eating and crypto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like two things that I ordinarily would say are totally unconnected, but they're not really unconnected. Uh, there's some there's some correlation, strange enough. Yes. Oh, um, there's a lot of vegetarians too. Yeah. So yeah. veganism is also strong in the crypto community. <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I I found I found quite a few vegetarian and vegan crypto people. So. Yeah, I think like this is something to do with like crypto is revolutionary and I think you need to be somewhat of a weirdo to <laughs> to be involved in a community and maybe if you're weird this way, maybe you're going to be weird in other ways as well, right? But the event itself, so so I personally have been of like, a fan, like I've been following Cosmos since 2014 and I've been a fan Tendermint of back Tendermint then. back then, right? And I've always, so in, in 2014, if you remember, there was this thing, there was the Bitcoin sidechains project, like the project that was supposed to kill all other coins except Bitcoin. Um, and if you looked at the details of the sidechain project even back then, you could see that there were some glaring problems with that model. So when you have Bitcoin, the main proof of work chain, it's hard to move those coins around because main chain could always fork and then you had to wait like in theory three days before you could move a bitcoin to a side chain so even at that time i had done the thought experiment that if bitcoin is not the ideal consensus mechanism for side chains what is right um, so bitcoin like the side chain project was the idea that given proof of work how can we build an internet of chains and you could ask the opposite question Given that I want to build an internet of chains, what is the ideal consensus mechanism? And even in 2015, I, I thought like Tendermint was one of the contenders. So when uh, when the Tendermint project ended up being ended up being reconfigured as Cosmos, I think end of last year, um, I was I was very interested in it, and I participated in the in the crowd sale. It's only one of two crowd sales I have participated in. I was like very enthusiastic to come here and like the Cosmos community has made a lot of progress in kind of conceptually designing the system and implementing it and like parts of the system like the consensus and networking are all already working and I think the uh, the questions that remain are mostly about are mostly economic questions now and I think like once some of the economic questions around Cosmos are solved, this could go online and actually it could be a powerful system. So my, my thoughts about the retreat was that uh, it was just really fantastic to meet everybody on the Cosmos team. So I mean, we just on bills on on, uh, on Tendermint and uh, we don't get to connect very much. I mean, aside from just like you know, me yeah. and you talking. Um, so it was really great to meet everyone and specifically like talk to the dev team. I, I got to go in like in a lot more depth uh, on um, you know, how how tournament works, the consensus model, and uh, yeah, it's just again it's like it's so inspiring to sit with the people that are building this stuff 
um, rather than just like reading, you know, like whatever like the paper, company yeah. blog or not even the white paper. Yeah, like you just and so there was there were some different workshops uh, that uh, I, I attended one workshop. So I'd like to talk about just like this team, like <laughs> so young. It's, it's it's young, and it's so it's like weirdos. <laughs> like you've got these like Kato guys and like, uh, but yeah, like you you've got um, one of your researchers. Uh, his name is Sunny. Sunny. Yeah. yeah. So Sunny is nineteen years old, and Sunny. Um, is just insanely intelligent and hasn't been in space for very long. He's founded about Bitcoin like a year yeah, and a half ago, yeah. two years ago, something. Yeah, a year and a half ago. Um, and I was sitting at the table with a dinner with you guys, and um, uh, just the, the even this guy was going over my head. You know, like, <laughs> um, so uh, and he gave a talk actually. Uh, so Cosmos was hosting sort of these side events. Um, uh, after the conference at DEFCON. And so Sunny gave a talk uh, about building the Internet of Blockchains, I think it was called, something like that, mm. uh, in which uh, he talks about some of the things that are desirable. And one of the things that he talked about, I thought was really interesting, I'd never heard this before, of this idea that, you know, specifically with Cosmos, where you, know, you can interconnect different blockchains, is that it's important to have um, sovereignty in a blockchain. And what, what he means by that is that uh, a, a DAP should have sovereignty uh, over its validators, uh, over its code. Um, and so an example of that is if you're, if you're a DAP developer, um, well, maybe you don't really care what's going on with other DAPs, right? Like you want to be sure that your transactions are going to go through. And as a DAP developer, why should I, um, you know, uh, depend on... Uh, the the so the health of the network uh, when all, all these other apps it's it's kind of, it's kind of like you know a, a shared hosting right on a on a, a, a hosting provider like if I run a website like I don't want shared hosting I want like dedicated you know dedicated hosting so that my app's going to run the very best and um, and similarly if you if you look at Ethereum and sort of as a Turing complete language we've seen time and time again that uh, that opens up. Quite a few problems, right? Potentially some vulnerabilities. Let's just look at what what's happening now with um, with po uh, with uh, parity, and what he suggests is having application specific blockchains with very few opcodes, and those opcodes are built for that app. And you know, you need to forget this idea of a Turing complete language. And you know, Turing complete language has its benefits. It's it's great for bootstrapping projects and getting projects off the ground and sort of experimenting. But then once you get to production, uh, you know you should be building your own your own infrastructure um, and your own applications uh, running for your DAP. So I, th I thought that was a really interesting concept, and uh, I don't know if anybody else is thinking about this or talking about this, but uh, I think it's really relevant, like given especially all of the yeah, you know, the, the, whether it's the DAO hack, whether it's like uh, now parity hack, um, which uh, you know, looking at the source code is pretty blatantly. Absurd that this function would would be in there. Um, so, yeah, what were you guys thinking about this idea? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm uh, you know I'm biased in this issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sony's talk is fantastic. I mean, we will link to the to the um, um, presentation in the show YouTube, notes. Right? Uh, yeah, it may be on YouTube. If so, we'll link to it. Um, you know, one one of the fundamental things about Tendermint was the idea of separating the application from the networking consensus. So the Sunny explains this in a really nice way, right? Where we have like in Bitcoin, we had, you know, the consensus, the networking and the applications right. all one thing, right? If you want to build something on top, like you couldn't really, right? It was, it's very, very hard. And then you have this like funny things like counterparty that were this like really worked very badly. And then, then in, in Ethereum, it's it's still all one thing, right? You still have the networking and consensus and the application as part of kind of like one big one monolithic package. software package. But then the application was just like general thing, so you can write stuff on top, right? So you, you still had like no flexibility to change, to like kind of make low level optimizations and changes to the in VM. the blockchain, yeah. to the VM or, or to the 
to just how it works, right? But you, you could you could kind of generally write things on top, and that has you know great benefits, right? It gives you a, a lot of flexibility, uh, but it has also great problems, right? I mean, one problem being performance and scalability, right? That gets very bad, uh, and another one being um, that it can also get very insecure, and um, and yeah, we have seen exactly, I mean, we see that today perfectly expressed in Ethereum, right? So we have basically a network that is, you know, at the scalability maximum, right? That they will need to make some massive changes to, to be able to support all those projects that are planning to build on Ethereum. Uh, and the other thing is these like attack vectors. And, and of course, we, we are recording this actually the same day that the Parity multi-sig wallet got hacked. For the second time, right? Because there was a previous version of the multi-sig wallet that got hacked a few months ago, and I think something like 150 million dollars uh, worth of ether stuff destroyed, stuck. You know, I don't know. Maybe they're going to do a hard fork and recover it, but you know, it, it maybe not. It's certainly a disaster, and and that's very much well. Uh, I mean, so that's twi- two expressions of of the flaws of Ethereum, and the third is uh, the lack of governance and of course that's Cosmos as well as many other projects that are now also focusing on having proper governance because now how is that decision going to be made should Ethereum hard fork or maybe include in the next hard fork uh, an unfreezing of those funds and and so that people can retrieve them from these multi-sig wallets or not well there's no real way for Ethereum holders to decide to vote uh, to voice their opinion so even knowing what the community wants, like you, it's, you can't really do it, right? I mean, people kind of tried to do this around the DAO uh, hard fork and, and I don't think it was possible to get a, a clear view. So what's left? Well, it's a bunch of developers, you know, core developers, a very small group of people, maybe 20 or something like that, that in the end will, will kind of decide this for the most part. Uh, and you know, that's disturbing, right? It's not decentralized. Uh, and, and it also goes contra- completely contrary to the original Ethereum value proposition, mm-hmm. right? Which, you know, it, ironically, Gavin Wood, who is, who is of course, the founder of, of Parity, who developed this multisig, he was one of the most um, outspoken kind of, you know, advocates of that vision of having code as law. He came up with this term, illegality, which he described as, you know, systems that can't care, don't care, you know, so if the laws change, system mm. doesn't care, you know, if people, political influence, all of that, uh, that this is completely immune to it. Yeah. And of course, already with the DAO hard fork, we kind of, you know, people kind of said, okay, well, let's, uh, let's kind of uh, throw that out of the water a bit. Uh, and now we have this again. And, and I think, actually, if the Ethereum community as a community said, okay, we want a hard fork, you know, that, that would be okay. I would have no issues with that. But the problem is because there's no way for them to do that. There's no process. There's no governance. They can't do that, right? So we may have some ether, but like we really don't have any say in this uh, decision. And and then in the end, there will be, it's a small group of, of influential people that make those decisions. And, and of course, with uh, Polkadot being one of the biggest uh, victims of this uh, accident, you know, then it starts becoming. It was an accident. Yeah, it, it it becomes about political influence, right? It becomes about okay, you know, how how uh, how much weight do they have in the community? How you know how much can they influence the developers? Yeah. How popular are they? And and that is certainly not the idea of blockchain. So just look at look at the future. You know, there's thousands of applications built on Ethereum, and production applications. You know, it, is it? conceivable that you have an application that's maybe worth billions of dollars and now this one little you know this one application there's a vulnerability that affects that app and now the entire network has to fork it, I, I see it really just it, it's like you just take hosting you know 15 years ago everybody had mutualized hosting and if one application for one website was uh, getting like a lot of hits or whatever, it would just bog down the other thing, and that's why we got compartmentalization and VMs and and uh, Docker containers and all this stuff. So, 
I think it's you know kind of inevitable for, for the space to go in this direction and for applications to build their own blockchains, to have their own validators. So that if there's a problem with that application, well, then you know, the governance mechanism in that app you know, decides whether or not they want to hard fork or do whatever, you know, like do a rollback. And it doesn't affect anybody else. And then you have networks like Cosmos that allows for the uh, uh, for, for, for transactional exchanges between those, uh, those different blockchains. So I, I think that if we go in the sort of the software development or the, sort of the, uh, the, uh, the way that um, uh, web application hosting has gone, uh, we'll probably see the same thing going in, uh, in the blockchain space. Yeah. And I think it's desirable. Yeah. The, the, the governance question looks super interesting to me because I read a statement somewhere. Um, so th there was this blog about how when the, when the internet emerged, uh, like very early 90s, there were there were lots of people that thought you know like the internet was going to bring some kind of freedom some kind of freedom from the confines of the nation state and the cyberspace would be this place where the nation state couldn't reach and uh, and we could build like new kinds of communities and then over time like as as like as the internet became became more and more mainstream, the politics of the mainstream has started to enter, or has entered into the internet, right? So like starting from geopolitical censorship across sites, like China restricting things, and Iran building a new internet and stuff, to like corporate control, etc. So there was this statement which was, whenever a mass mass of humanity enters a new technology, it brings along its own, its politics to that new technology, right? At some level, like, the, the, the question is, this year when you look at it, like, lots of big players are entering into the Ethereum space, so there's certainly large hedge funds entering, that's obvious, but you have, like, institutions entering. And ultimately, maybe maybe someday you'll have like central banks and huge banks also as stakeholders to the system. So given that there are going to be such powerful stakeholders in the Ethereum system with like differing political capabilities, yeah. how how do you how you resolve like whose bugs and theft of funds to fix and whose you don't fix? It's going to become an it's going to become like a big political question, right? Right now, it's just yeah. like parity. But then, well, I mean, I, I do think Cosmos and what you were kind of talking about, it, or that direction is sort of the answer, right? Because you, you will never have a central bank issuing money on something like Ethereum, right? Something where they don't control the underlying network. This is just not going to happen, right? They may have their own blockchain that they fully control, right? Where they issue money, now, they may allow that money being moved elsewhere and people building application on top, but they still control the source of the money, right, mm -hmm. fully. I think there's, otherwise, there's no way that you will get yeah. uh, those kind of institutions on board because they, they will yeah. never seize control over such essential parts to, you know, anonymous miners somewhere or yeah. these like stakeholders and, and yeah. token holders that they don't know they can't contact they you know, scalability or they you know yeah. and, and, and there's even all kinds of legal issues probably right if it's like okay but maybe they're from countries that are sanctioned and politically inappropriate so so uh, I think the the aspects of of companies and organizations and groups and communities to really control fully their own blockchains and those then being able to interact, there's no way around that. I think that's the only way that this is going to really um, become a big thing. Yeah. So, um, we should probably wrap yeah, this up. Point, uh, yeah. What are you guys looking forward to uh, until the next, next DevCon? Yeah. <laughs> This DevCon, I, for Epicenter specifically, I did a small experiment and whoever I met, right, so whenever I, I, I met somebody, I asked them a question. Uh, the question I asked is, uh, what is the most mysterious project for you? And in order for a project to be mysterious, it 
it has to be something that you don't understand but there's some there's, there must be something about the project that um, that makes you feel that this could just be a very big thing so i asked everyone what's the most mysterious project they encountered and i have this huge list now i have this huge list of 25 projects so i'll read out the name so elsea that's a mesh networking using ethereum there's mysterium vpns using ethereum uh, zero net this thing there's this this thing called singularity net which is a network of ais running on top of ethereum so i have this list of around 20 or 25 projects i am going to thin them down and hopefully we're going to have some of them on epicenter so be prepared for some you know crazy episodes crazy technological futuristic episodes was there like one or two projects that kept coming up again and again one or two projects that kept coming up again and again actually not actually um i got i got like varied responses and um yeah there weren't too many duplications i said again i'm looking forward to like next year more tools and seeing more developers coming from outside the space yeah mm -hmm. i i uh, i really think that that is the key to building building the that the dap future is uh getting people like just regular developers right like regular web developers uh or app developers to now have this whole other set of tools um, that can allow them to build decentralized apps. And so by tools, I mean like the development tools, the networks, you know, whether it's IPFS or IPDB and those coming to maturity, uh, or whether it be just like proper training uh, and proper tutorials and mm. like lots more YouTube videos and maybe this being talked about in schools perhaps or uh, events that are more accessible to those um, to those uh, communities of developers. Yeah, that's one of the projects. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm of course this one thing I'm mostly looking forward to, which is the launch of Cosmos and how that's going to turn out. So that's certainly my number one focus and interest, and uh, what I feel super excited about and super interested how it's going to turn out. Uh, yeah, so that, that's my number one thing. Great. Well, thanks you to our listeners for once again tuning in. Uh, Epicenter is part of the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network. You can find this show and lots of other great shows at letstalkbitcoin.com. And so if you, if you like the show, you can support us by leaving us a tip. The tipping addresses will be in the show description. And you can also leave us an iTunes review. And that also uh, always helps people find the show. And we very much appreciate it. So thank you very much. And we look forward to being back next week when we will be in different locations again. Cool. Thanks so much.